and welcome to our online church. We who gather here are people who know something about God, but who also know that there is so much more to learn about him. We are people who trust in Jesus, God's only son, but we also know that we need to trust him more. Whoever you are, wherever you are, you are welcome to join in this great adventure called faith. If you're new, please give me a shout. My contact details are below in the description and on the screen at the end of the service. Many of you will have heard the sad news of the death of Cameron McKenzie, a former minister of Bigger Kirk. We remember his family and his friends at this time. We begin our service with a verse from Psalm 34. It says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Let us approach God in prayer. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, that you promise to come when we call, to be present with us when we gather. Lord, we want to be conscious of your presence here wherever we are. Come, Lord, by your Spirit. Touch our hearts. Open our eyes to see your face and our ears to hear your voice. Lord, we were made to be with you and our hearts are restless until they find you. Come, Lord, and make your home with us. We welcome you here. We welcome what you will reveal to us about ourselves and about you. We welcome what you will teach us. We welcome what change you will make in us and for us. We welcome where you will take us. Lord God, in this season when everything is changing and a solid place to stand is hard to find, we trust you. Help us to trust you more. And Jesus, as you taught your disciples, so we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If you have well, your Bibles, could you turn with me now to the letter of First Peter, Peter's first letter, and we read in chapter 1, beginning at verse 23 and 
reading through to chapter 2, verse 3. So, 1 Peter, beginning, 1 Peter 1, beginning at verse 23. The word of God. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flower of the field. Grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Amen. And thanks for his word to us. Let's pray as we turn to reflect on God's word. Lord God, thank you for your living word. Thank you that it does last, that it stands the test of time. As it spoke to people in the past, it still speaks to us. Lord, give us ears to hear, and hearts to accept your truth. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We continue our series entitled New Normal Renewed Church. In this series, we're looking at the essential marks of the early church that we find there in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through verse 48. And we ask ourselves the question, how will these marks that we see here be expressed in our church in this season in which we find ourselves? This week, before moving on, I'd like for us to stick with this first mark that we touched on last week, the mark of gathering around God's Word. And one question I have for us this morning is, what do we mean by the Word of God? And better yet, what does the Bible mean by the Word of God? In the Bible, it seems to me that the Word of God can mean four different things. Now, you might think that is confusing, but it isn't because all four of those meanings of the Word of God that the Bible uses are related to one another. As a visual learner, I find a picture is helpful. So, here's a picture that I prepared earlier. Now let's start with the outer circle of my picture. The Word of God can mean all of the utterances of God, all of God's truth, all that He in His love for us reveals about Himself and about our world that He created. Going one 
level in and down. The Bible also refers to the Word of God as that which God has revealed to his prophets and spokesperson in the Old Testament and what he reveals through the the apostles in the New Testament. So the words of Scripture, too, are referred to as the Word of God. And then further in, the Word of God in the Bible is also the words that are shared or preached that lead people to new life. And we see a reference to those words in verse 25. Peter says it is the word that was preached to his readers. Now, all of those three circles of meaning, according to the Bible, are the word of God. But ultimately, and at the center of them all, at the center of all that God has to say or reveal, is his word, Jesus. When we say that we gather around the word of God, it is to this center that we ultimately refer. We're going to sing a hymn now before we go on, a hymn that speaks of that first outer circle of meaning. Creation sings the Father's song. Let's sing together before we continue. we 
passage this morning has something important to say about our relationship with that central meaning of the Word of God, that relationship with Jesus. And it's something I believe that we need to hear as individuals and as a church as we go forward into discovering how we are to be the church in the next season that God has for us. Peter uses the picture of a fruit-bearing plant to speak of this vital relationship. I actually have a fruit-bearing plant here that Moira Turnbull kindly gave us a couple of weeks ago, and it has grown since she gave it to us. It's a tomato plant, and if you've been attentive in your family quizzes, you will know that a tomato is a fruit. That seems to be a question that comes up invariably in those quizzes. Peter says to his friends to whom he is writing that they have been given fruit. In verse 2 of chapter 2, he says that they have tasted the fruit of a wonderful plant and they are hooked they have tasted and, and they've seen that it is good. They want more. But if they're going to have more, they need to do a bit of cultivation. They need to grow their own. Now, a lot of you know much more than I do about growing plants and such things. But there's one basic thing that I do know. Without good seed... A plant isn't going to grow, no matter how well you tend that plant. I could get a pot like this, fill it with the best potting soil, feed it all sorts of nutrients, water it just the right amount every day, give it all the sunshine that it needs. But if there is no seed or only bad seed in that pot, it isn't going to amount to anything. I remember planting watermelons in Thailand. I had never done it before, but I had a Thai friend named Don who was kind to me and helped me. Don advised me that I, I wanted to get the best seed before I did anything else. And because I traveled three hours to the city to buy good seed, we had a pretty good crop, at, at least for one year of the time that we planted watermelons. Cultivating with bad seed or no seed at all is obviously absurd when we're speaking of, of gardening. Of course you need seed, and you need the best seed that you can get but cultivating without any seed, sadly, is something that people try to do all the time when it comes to the life of the Spirit. In verse 23, Peter tells his readers that they have been born again of seed that is imperishable. 
having great church programs, reading the Bible, praying and praying together, serving others, being hospitable as a church. All these things are great. But without the seed of which Peter speaks here in our passage, it can be a bit like gardening without any seed. The seed, Peter says, is the word. The seed is that core meaning of the word of God who is Jesus, the living word of God. Peter is confident that his friends to whom he he is writing have that seed. He's confident that they, through the preaching of the word, through his preaching, have come to a personal relationship with Jesus. That is the center of all gospel preaching. So confident that they have that seed planted in their hearts, he proceeds to tell them how to cultivate the plant that will naturally sprout and begin to grow. And here Peter speaks about his friends growing in their salvation, tending the soil, and ridding themselves of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, or weeding out the stuff that would choke the seed. But all the tending and weeding without the seed planted in the first place is futile. Without the vital seed of the word in our hearts, without a personal relationship with Jesus, no amount of good works, no amount of church programs is ever going to do it for us. Because according to the gospel, Apart from the new birth, which is a gift of grace, we can never be good enough. The pot of soil might look good. It might be well tended and devoid of weeds. But there will be no enduring life and no fruit without the seed in the first place. Let's make sure we have the seed. Before we do any of the tending of our gardens or developing programs and practices for church, as we explore all the other marks of the church in this series, let's continue to ask the question, how does this point to Jesus? Where is the seed? In all the activities that we will do as a church in the coming season, as we get back to what we've done before or or even start new initiatives, let's ask that vital question. Where is the seed? Where is the relationship with Jesus in this activity or that activity? How is doing this helping me and us to grow in our relationship with Jesus? And how is this helping others to know him and to grow in him? It's so easy for our gardens to get overrun with lots of other plants, 
for our gardens to get so overgrown that we forget about the most important plant that is growing there. It's so easy for us to do things because they've always been done this way or because to others they look like really worthwhile things to do. But let's take this opportunity, the opportunity in this season when things have had to stop in the light of God's word, let's really consider what our priorities are and where it is that God is leading us and how what we do relates to that central seed that is so important. As we continue to explore the marks of the early church and work out how we might express them in our time and place, please do not see what we're doing here as telling you what you individually or us as a church together must do in order for God to be pleased with us. The life that we are called to as Christians is a life of faith. It's a life of trusting on and leaning into the word, Jesus. That is where the Christian life begins and where it ends. Yes, we are called to bear fruit. And yes, we are called to do good works, to get together for study, for fellowship, for prayer and service. But our fruit and our acceptable works will only come, they'll only come as the seed of God's living and enduring word planted by grace grows from deep within us. And as that seed grows in us, our desire for those other things will also grow. As that seed grows, a thirst to get closer to God, a thirst to read his word, a hunger to spend time with him in prayer and with his people will grow in us. Let's listen now to a song that expresses that hunger, that thirst, that longing for Jesus that will grow along with the seed of his word. I'm going to listen to a song called As the Deer Pants for the Water. And let's reflect as we listen.
If you are with us this morning, maybe you are new, or maybe you've been involved in church for years, but maybe you aren't sure that you have ever really received that seed, which is Jesus. Maybe you've been attracted to the fellowship. Maybe you've been attracted to the singing. Maybe you've been attracted to the good works that the church does, but you haven't yet got to grips with the core of what it all means. Perhaps you haven't yet entered into a one-to-one relationship with Jesus. And if that's you, please know that there is no shame in receiving it now. It is a free gift You can do nothing to to deserve or earn it. But once you have it, it will grow into something beautiful and fruitful for God and for you. Without it, though, both church and life in general can be frustrating. And they will, in the end, be fruitless. Come and join us in this adventure of faith. Will you pray with me now? Will you speak to God and begin that one-to-one personal relationship with him? God, who is the imperishable seed, God's word. Let's pray. Lord God, I believe in you. I want to trust in you as Lord of my life. I believe that you sent the Lord Jesus, your Son, your true word, to show us who you are. I believe that Jesus died so that I can be forgiven of my sins. And I accept that forgiveness and put behind me all that is wrong in terms of what I have ever believed or said or done. Because of what you have done for me in your great love, I am now free from the guilt and shame of those things in the past. I ask you now, Lord God, to send your Holy Spirit into my heart, to inspire me, fill me, and guide me in your ways. I want to live for you from this day forward. Lord God, help us as a church and as individuals to make the most of this season. Thank you for your pruning us back. Thank you for pruning us back so that we can grow even stronger and bear much more fruit for your kingdom here in our lives 
and in the lives of our communities. We bring before you now our concerns, confident that with you the yoke we carry is easy and our burden is light because you, Lord, bear it with us and for us. We pray for the nations as they struggle with this invisible enemy, COVID-19, this enemy who is so adept at teeming up with poverty and injustice to make the plight of the powerless and the underprivileged even worse than it was before. Lord God, in your mercy, defeat for us this enemy. We ask you to inspire scientists to develop the vaccine that would bring needed relief. And we ask you to inspire the leaders of nations to make choices and wise decisions that would stop the spread of this virus. We pray for friends and family who are ill. And this morning, specifically, we name here Hannah, Mookie, Jean, and Sarah. And in our hearts, in the silence, we bring others to you also. Lord God, cover these for whom we pray with your healing wings. Shelter them from harm. Pour the balm of your comfort onto their wounds. Lord God, fill the rooms where they are with the fragrance of your presence. Strengthen them where they are weak and exhausted, either physically, mentally, or spiritually. We pray now, too, for everyone who is grieving, for those who have lost loved ones, but also for those who have lost jobs, opportunities, vacations, chances to meet up with friends and family. Lord God, by your Spirit, fill the void for these for whom we pray. We ask you to give hope, give your consolation. Finally, Lord, we pray for us all as we go into the unknown tomorrow and the next day. Assure us that you go before, that you know the way, and with you we have a strong tower, a mighty fortress that will stand against every storm and every foe. 
pray these prayers in the name of our one Savior and Lord, even Jesus Christ. Amen.